Matt Perdue is with us. Uh, Matt, uh, well, he works with the North Dakota Farmers Union. He's their government relations director, so he's the guy that goes in the room and hands out a little folder of stuff and said, here's our concerns. Here's what we'd like to work with you with. Here's what we'd like to change. Matt, good to have you on News and Views. Thanks a lot for having me on, Joel. Thanks for being here. 600-some people. That's a lot of people coming to Bismarck to see you. We are excited. We're underway this morning and excited for a great couple of days with Farmers Union members here. To me, that's part of the beauty of this convention because you've got 53 counties in North Dakota and they come from everywhere. And then they get in this room and everybody's got a different idea of what's going wrong, what's going right, and then you get to meld all that together. That, that to me, would be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I just stepped out of our policy and action committee. It's great to see that grassroots process in action. Uh, really looking forward to a good policy discussion here this afternoon and tomorrow. want to talk a little bit about a program that, that you're spearheading, a pilot USDA program in North Dakota called the Alliance to Advance Climate Smart Agriculture. What is this about? Yeah, the Alliance to Advance Climate Smart Agriculture. It's uh, actually an $80 million grant from USDA. We're going to be implementing in four states, North Dakota, Arkansas, Minnesota, and Virginia. Um, And North Dakota Farmers Union is the lead of the North Dakota portion of that pilot. Uh, So the concept is we want to make sure that producers are fairly compensated for the public benefit they are delivering when they apply stewardship practices. Um, And so we are going to provide $100 an acre or $100 an animal unit to producers in eight counties around North Dakota um, for adopting or maintaining conservation practices X, Y, or Z. Those include um, cover crops, no-till, reduced tillage, prescribed grazing, um, those, those practices that are good for soil health, good for water quality, good for erosion control, and happen to sequester carbon in the soil. That's a lot, though. I mean, that's a lot. You're going to be able to pull that off? I mean... You, you take a, a you know somebody running a thousand head, you just gave them a pretty good check. Yeah. Um, so the the program for purposes of the pilot, we are capping it at 160 acres. So we're talking sixteen thousand dollars to any given producer. Um, but you know what what I think is really exciting is we're going to deliver thirteen fourteen million dollars to farmers and ranchers across the state of North Dakota for doing good stewardship practices. Oh. Uh, that's a big responsibility. We have a lot of work to do to get that out. Um, but really excited to see that pilot move forward um, and, and test the concept here in North Dakota. Some would say, and let's play some devil's advocate with this so that you can answer back to them this way, but some would say that that means you're giving in on this uh, climate change issue. Uh, what are your thoughts to that? I think North Dakota Farmers Union's position has always been uh, we have to provide our members with the resources they need to make the best decision on their operation. Um, and so, you know, back in 2006, we started the uh, carbon credit exchange program here in North Dakota. We signed up a lot of producers through that. Uh, there's a ton happening out in that space. Um, and, and, you know, the interesting thing right now is um, that, that the markets are demanding, um, you know, they're demanding what they call climate smart commodities or lower carbon commodities. We think North Dakota producers are well positioned um, to respond to that, to meet that demand. Um, and we're pr- trying to provide them the resources they need um, to make sure that, one, we're covering the costs, and, two, we're fairly rewarding them for it. There also seems to be uh, the fact that this conversation's even going on, a recognition that things are going to change. And either we make sure that, as you pointed out, we're fairly compensated during that process or we're left behind. Because, because here's the thing, Matt, and I've been saying this into this microphone for uh, years now, things are going to change whether we like it or not well and things are changing joel 
Um, you look at uh, soybean crush facilities in North Dakota. Why is that? Because people want renewable diesel, uh, lower carbon fuel. We see um, our ethanol plants um, uh, and a lot of the work that, that they are doing. Um, we have Red Trail out in Richerton doing um, direct carbon injection. We have um, the plant up by Underwood doing the same. There's a lot of activity in that space. Those are That's, that's because the market is demanding that. There's market opportunities there. Um, for agriculture, we want to make sure that those market opportunities benefit uh, farmers and ranchers. We know they do great stewardship. We know they manage their soil and the natural resources well. Uh, let's compensate them for that. And I, you, when you talk to someone that doesn't understand agriculture and you point out that there's absolutely no, no incentive for a farmer or a rancher to mismanage the very thing they make a living off of, then their eyes kind of go, okay, I, I get it a little bit, because they have this preconceived idea that we're not good stewards of the land. Well, and it ticks me off when yeah. they do that. And I, I, I will tell you, so I'm a fifth-generation farmer. We farm up by Ray in Williams County. Uh, we still farm around the house that Harry Nyberg, my great-great-grandfather, built. Uh, and I would bet you that the planting decisions, the stewardship decisions that he made, he was doing those knowing that he wanted me to be successful on those same acres. Well, there's truth to that. There, there's absolutely truth to that. And and then the practice of farming, how they've been allowed to farm, too. Let, let's not forget that. The, the way that uh, the science and the engineering and everything went into it when everybody started going no-till and when everybody started looking at different methods of farming to raise certain crops. I mean, could you imagine a world where we don't have ethanol right now? I mean, it, we're going to... We're going to get there if we don't fix this ourselves. Colin Peterson came on a while ago, Matt, and he said, if we don't fix this out as, as rural people, we're going to find ourselves without ethanol someday. Yeah, I mean, ethanol obviously has been a great boost to ag markets, not just to the corn market, but we know that all those commodities track with that, create a lot of good opportunities for producers. And let's not forget, Joel, we got a lot of grassland. we got a lot of pastures in the state. we got a lot of ranchers as well who've done great stewardship for generations, especially on, on some of the state's tougher tougher land to manage. Um, and so North Dakota's conservation story is a great story. Our ag story is a great story. And those two go hand in hand. I, I um, you know, I was sitting there talking about the public before you came on about being complacent uh, and, and not sitting there looking at ways because part of what Farmers Union has to recognize, you've always been for keeping that small farmer on the land. And there's a reason I love you for it. I mean, I, I totally agree with you on that. That what's, what's killing some of them is property taxes. And I, I'm willing to pick the fight. I mean, I've been barking into this microphone and saying, listen, the state can't brag about how well they're running things when they're sitting on $10 billion and the farmers out there and the homeowners and you got a, a, a 70-year-old couple saying, honey, we can't live here anymore. I can't afford this property taxes. I mean, how do we get this fixed? So, Joel, I think in the next two days, Farmers Union members are going to have some really interesting conversations about property tax. We have a panel discussion scheduled for this afternoon where some uh, county commissioners, uh, school board members, state legislators are going to come in. They're going to talk about the property tax issue, how property taxes are used at the local level. Um, I know that our Policy and Action Committee is going to propose to the delegates a, a resolution on property taxes. Our position right now, right now is we support property tax relief. We want a balanced tax structure, and we think it's getting skewed towards uh, reliance on property taxes. But eliminating property taxes is a step too far, and I think what the Policy and Action Committee is going to be bringing to the members is going to be saying, 
look, eliminating property taxes is not going to be a win for rural communities. Um, we'll see what the members think about that. Did, did you see the poll numbers? I have seen some of the polling numbers. Have you yeah. have you talked to any of the boys when you got an elbow up with them? We're, we are I going to. I can tell to... you this. You put them in the ballot. You close that booth, and you say, go ahead and vote the way you want. Yep. And one of those boxes you get to check says, hey, eliminate property taxes. Katie, bar the door. Well, I think uh, what I love about Farmers Union is farmers and ranchers are going to talk about that. They're going to they're going to share their various opinions on that issue. They're going to tell us which direction they want the organization to head. Um, I think we have a really reasonable position right now. I think you do too. And I think if our position changes, I think that that will be reasonable as well. But um, right now, the policy and action committee is saying, "Hey, relief is a priority." Elimination is is a bridge too far. I I, I have come out against elimination. Uh, Rick Becker is and I have gone toe to toe on this on this very show, and we'll continue to do that. I I respect his right to bring it forward. I like the fact he's bringing it forward because I think it'll help. I will vote against it once, once. If they go back and 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 this thing goes down, which it, it may it may not. If you look at the poll numbers, it's not going to, and they bring it. it they bring it back two years later because nothing happened, then they got my vote. And I hope you understand what I'm getting at there. Well, and I think a lot of our members are saying, hey, we need to have a real conversation at the state legislature um, about this issue. I think they're also saying we need to have conversations at the local level. We need to talk to our county commissioners, city commissioners, school boards. We need to make sure that we are being fiscally responsible and that we're not raising taxes higher than we need to. We need to make sure that we are um, levying the taxes we need to provide the services people need in yeah. local communities. Here's the thing about farmers and property versus homeowners and property. If you uh, if you go into my little hometown of Manador, I, I doubt the property values have gone up that much. They maybe have gone up, but it used to be if you built a new house in Manador, it was worth half of what you paid to build it. And I'm not so sure that that's changed. Then you take and you go to a farmer out there on a quarter of land. Well, okay. He's made a good living off that lately. And uh, the property taxes, yeah, I get it. The, the value, you look at what they're paying at auction and everywhere else for land. You can't, I mean, you, you have to agree the property values have gone up. But what happens when commodity prices go down? What happens when we have an absolutely terrible farm bill? What happens when we go back to the 1980s? Those property values are going to sink down. And the whole system of how we tax and govern here is going to be through the it's going to be out the window yeah and you know we're an organization that advocates strongly um, for rural infrastructure we're an organization that advocates strongly for many of the services that people rely on in their local communities i think really where our members are coming from is hey we understand that we have a burden to, to pay for those things and we want to be a part of that let's just make sure it's balanced mm-hmm. right let's make sure we have a balanced tax structure um, and that we're not we're not uh, shifting that burden too far in any one direction. I, it, here, these are going to come at me, so it's better if you answer them than me, or at least take a crack at them. Somebody says when a quarter of land is worth over eight hundred thousand dollars, and you see all the farmers building one million dollar shops in parentheses and paying zero for taxes on their homes, I don't think the fifteen hundred bucks, uh, you know, per quarter is going to break them. What's your answer to that text message? Well, I think one of the things that I always highlight, you know, farmers have always been asset rich, cash poor, right? I mean, you have a lot of farmland out there. You need to to make a living. Um, But that's not always a a direct, you know, directly correlated to how much cash is going in your pocket at the end of the days. There are certainly farmers who are doing well. There are certainly farmers who are building new shops. There are certainly 
uh, farmers who had a pretty successful few years here, right? There are a lot of farmers who haven't. And, and again, our members, as of right now, have not said, we don't want to carry that burden. What they said is we, we, want, a, we want a balanced tax structure. And so they're saying, the P Policy and Action Committee so far, and we'll see what other members say tomorrow, they're saying we, we believe we have a responsibility to carry uh, some of that local burden. We just want to make sure that it's, it's fair and equitable across, um, across the population. I, I guess what drives me nuts is, and that's why I love meetings like this, because maybe they leave here with a fire up their butt, but, you know, we just seem complacent on, okay, that's what they do. Like these guys that go to the legislature on some high mountain, and we've got, you know, I've been a legislator. I was one for 14 years. When you go back in those rooms, I loved being challenged by those town hall meetings when they'd look at me and say, listen, my property taxes are through the roof. I mean, when I first got into the legislature, the ending fund balance on Ed Schaefer's budget was $13 million. $13 million. <laughs> Think about that, Matt. Matt Perdue is with us. He is the North Dakota Farmers Union Government Relations Director. And, Matt, I hung on to you because the little bit of time we have left, I want to talk about the Farm Bill. Uh, 2024, yeah, do you think there will be a Farm Bill in 2024? You know, uh, your guess is as good as mine, Joel. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of headwinds, it seems like, right now. Um, we do have Senator Stab now, you know, ch uh, chairwoman of the Senate Ag Committee, who I would guess really wants to get one done before she hits retirement. I can tell you this is someone who knows her. She really wants yeah. to get one done before but, retirement. But there's a lot of work ahead, Joel. And, and you know, it seems like there's a lot of, you know, infighting going on right now. we got to get some of that straightened out and get some direction and, and really move this thing forward. How do you make sure that farmers and ranchers realize that attacking SNAP is attacking themselves? You know, I think I always talk to our members about the Farm Bill Coalition. Uh, so you have the Farm Bill Triangle. you got farmers and ranchers are a huge part of that, right? Uh, you also have conservationists or environmentalists. And then you have um, nutrition advocates or hunger advocates. Um, you know, and, and I think you have to politically, you have to keep that coalition together if you want to move something across the finish line. Reality is there's not very members, especially in the U.S. House of Representatives, who represent farmers. There are a lot of people who care about our food system, but not from the perspective of a producer. And so we need to make sure that we're bringing the entire food system together um, and, and, and coming up with a bill that everybody can be excited about and support. Well, and, and I, my biggest fear is that it's popular politically to go after certain things that are in that coalition. I mean, it is. It's it's easy to beat up with those individuals that are advocating for the environment, and it's easy to beat up those individuals that are advocating for someone to, to be able to get, you know, food at the grocery store that they think uh, they didn't pay for type of a thing. That's the coalition, Matt. Yeah, and, and that is the coalition. It's the coalition that uh, we need to get a farm bill done, and we got to get a farm bill done quick. we got to get it done right. We have to make sure. Um, that we're modernizing our safety net and having a food system that works for all of America. Always good to talk to you. Go develop policy. Get in the next room. <laughs> he's got he's got a sport jacket on, so he's serious today. I'm telling you, Matt. Say hi to the folks from Ray before you go. Will do. All Hello, right. everybody from Ray. Thanks a lot. Joel. There you go.